Right. Be what you are. Be what you are. So last week we looked at this passage, and today I want to do the application part of, of this. Be what you are. Matthew five thirteen through 16. So as we look at this text, uh, one of the struggles we face, and I'll mention this later, one of the tensions that we face is that we are in the world, right? The world system, uh, this world that we're in is no friend of God. It is against the teaching of God, against his people, yet God has chosen to leave us in the world. I mean, he could have, in his sovereign plan, saved us and then taken us right out of the world into heaven, but he didn't choose to do that because he's working out his plan of redemption and he's using you and he's using me to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ that there is only one way of salvation through the finished work of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, that your sins and mine were placed on him when he died on the cross, that he was buried and he rose again on the third day bodily. According to the scriptures, God's word tells us that. And through faith in that, we become a child of God. And he leaves us in the world. And so uh, Jesus, the night before he was crucified on the cross, says this, I have given them your word and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. That's an interesting statement. The moment you place your faith in Christ, you're transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You're no longer in the world any more than Jesus is of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world to be salt and light. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So Jesus tells us that we are salt and light, that you are. This, again, is an indicative. This is not necessarily something you become. It is not something you become. You are salt and light. You grow in your ability to be salt and light, but the moment you place your faith in Christ, that's what you are. And so that's why Jesus says to his followers, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So as salt and light, you enhance the world around you. You make it the best that it can be for the glory of God through your words and deeds. You have purpose in life. You are salt and light. When we look at this concept of enhance, it means to raise to a higher level, to maximize its usefulness, to add value. Right? When you put salt on food, what does it do? It draws the flavors out so that it's as flavorful as possible. You are to enhance the world around you as salt and and light. And this world around you is the relationships with the people that are around you and, and your relationship with your physical environment. Now, as I give out these points of application, I'm not going to talk about necessarily how uh, you are going to relate to your physical environment, other than the fact that 
Um, you have been given a mandate from God. It's called the dominion mandate. After God created us as human beings, he said, I want you to rule over all that I have created. I want you to subdue it. And so we need to be good stewards of the world around us. So we need to be salt and light and take care of the earth that God has given us. And so that's all I'm going to say about the physical world around us. So as you consider being salt and light, hopefully you ask yourself questions. And one of those questions is like, how? How do I do that? How am I supposed to be salt and light specifically? Well, I have five ways of working towards that. I will be salt and light as I exemplify, right? So Jesus is our template. Jesus is our example. He is our leader, as we talked about earlier. He is the one that we follow. So if we want to be salt and light, we need to exemplify Jesus' holiness, Jesus' heart, Jesus' hearing, Jesus' head, and Jesus' hands. Jesus is our example of how we should be salt and light. And so the first point there is we want to exemplify Jesus' holiness. So as we exemplify Jesus' holiness, that means we have the right preparation to be salt and light. Again, in the text there, you are salt, you are light. It's, I keep saying indicative, that means it's a statement of the condition right now. You are this. But even though you are this, you still need to figure out, okay, how am I going to get better at this? How am I going to live this out? In the Christian walk, we talk about um, who you are in Christ. This is who you are. Now you need to work out who that is. Be what you are, in other words. And so the right preparation is this. I will prepare myself to be salt and light by learning and obeying the teachings of Jesus. I mentioned this earlier. We don't have to get too complex about this. What does it mean to be salt and light? It means read your Bible. Understand what Jesus says in his teachings. And as you understand that and obey that, you are salt and light. It's about obedience. So if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, after Jesus has given us all this teaching, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only one who does what? Does my will. Does the will of my Father in heaven. So you may say you're this, you may say you're that, you may say you're a Christian, you may say you're salt and light, but nobody will know that unless they see you obeying the teachings of Jesus. And then at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. So you have to prepare yourself to be the salt and light that you are, the salt and light that God wants you to be. Right in that great passage on salvation in Ephesians chapter 2, after we learn that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Not by works. Not by anything that you can do but by grace through faith we are saved. We're told this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared, what? In advance for us to do. 
So, so again, the issue here is the preparation that we're supposed to have. And God has prepared in advance good works for you to do as salt and light. Again, Jesus is teaching us in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, this is what life is like in the kingdom. If you're salt and light, you're going to be giving glimpses of God's beautiful and wonderful kingdom to the world around you. I want you to think about what the world would be like if the kingdom of Christ were ushered in right away. Imagine a world of merciful people who gently relate to others while they hunger and thirst for righteousness and purity of heart. Right? The Beatitudes. Imagine a world, imagine a world of merciful people who always seek peace and reconciliation as a priority over self-preservation. Could you imagine working around people like that? Imagine a world where men and women are fully and faithfully committed to one another in marriage for life. Imagine a world where people always keep their word. Imagine a world where people never retaliate when they are wrong. I'm just going through the Sermon on the Mount here. These are the teachings of Jesus. Imagine a world where people always display godly love even for their enemies. Imagine that kind of world. And that's the world that we can create in a small way if we act as salt and light, as we live out the teachings of Jesus Christ. So as you look at the world and you see how desperate it is, right? You want change. You want things to be different. Well, as the saying goes, you need to be the change that you want the world to be. Be the salt and light that you want the world to be. So you have to learn what it means to be salt and light so that you can be salt and light. That's the point today. Jesus says you are salt and light. What does that mean? How do I do that? Well, certainly you can't do it if you act like the world. Again, there is a distinction. There is a contrast. There is the darkness. You are the light. There is a contrast. If you are living like the world, you can't be salt and light. And so to this point, you are as only salty and bright as you are holy, right? The holiness of Jesus. Again, when I talk about living a holy life, living out the holiness of Jesus, I'm simply talking about obeying his commands. And again, Jesus' commands, they're not burdensome. He's not here to be a cosmic killjoy. Obeying Jesus' commands transforms you into the beautiful person that God wants you to be. It's you living out who you already are in Christ. But as we do that, there is this tension in the world. Right? We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We have to be salt and light. Okay? But we don't want to be like the world as we reach out to the world because holiness is being set apart from worldliness, not the world. We say that again. Holiness is being set apart from worldliness the actions of the world, not the world itself. So as you consider being salt and light, you have to think about this. I want to prepare myself to do that on a daily basis by learning and obeying the teachings of Jesus. It's very simple. Pastor, how can I be salt and light? I want to do that. Read your Bible. Take special note of what Jesus says and then obey those commands. 
Now, I'm not talking about this is how you're saved. You're saved by grace alone through faith alone. But you are salt and light, so live that out. And you do that as you obey the commands of Jesus. As you obey the commands of Jesus, you are living a holy life. You're living out the holiness of Jesus Christ. So I will be salt and light as I exemplify Jesus' holiness. But secondly, I will be salt and light as I exemplify Jesus' heart. So as you consider the heart of Jesus, it gives us the right perspective. As you seek to be salt and light in the world, you have to have the right perspective on the world. So I write this, I will prepare myself, I'm sorry, I will be salt and light by viewing those around me with the same perspective as Jesus. I will be salt and light in the world by viewing those around me with the same perspective as Jesus, by having the same heart as Jesus. Now when you consider your perspective, and that's the word that's in view here, your perspective on the world around you affects your relationship to the world around you. Now think about this. If you walk into a room full of people and you think the people in this room all have a negative attitude towards you, what is your automatic attitude towards the people in the room? It's one of defense, right? Self-preservation. That's just the way we function. So when Jesus came into the world, he was the light shining into the, the darkness, and the world just embraced him. They said, come on in, Jesus. We, no, they, they rejected him. They rejected the light. And so as you seek to be salt and light, you have to have the same perspective on the world that hated Jesus, that hates his followers. You have to have the same perspective as Jesus had. And that perspective, listen, is this, is the capacity to view things in their true relations or relative importance. That's just a dictionary definition. So as you have perspective, you see them as they truly are, and you give them a proper importance or a proper priority. You have a right perspective, if you will. So perspective is very important. And one text that tells us about the heart of Jesus and that perspective that he had on the world is Matthew chapter 9. Just before Jesus is going to send his followers out into the world to be a witness for him with the good news of the kingdom, we read this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus saw the crowd. He saw the world, right? He saw them and he had compassion on them. What did he see as he looked out at the world? He saw those devastated by life in a sin-cursed world. He saw those created in the image of God. He saw those for whom he would die. Now, as you live in a sin-cursed world, seeking to be salt and light, trying to have the right perspective, right? We're going to talk about the mindset that you can have in just a second. You need to think through these things. The people around me are in darkness. They're living life in a sin-cursed world. 
These people that I've, I've been called to be salt and light to are created in the image of God. They're image bearers. And, and my theology says they are people for whom Christ, at this point, would die or did die. So Jesus had this perspective. He saw the crowd and he had compassion. The word compassion, you're probably familiar with this, is a very deep emotional word. If you look at the fancy dictionaries that talk about words in the Bible, this word compassion is love or affection, which is an expression of the total personality at the very deepest level. Right in the King James, it translates this word as what? The bowels of mercy, right? The very deepest part of you, that feeling that you get like, oh, I can't believe this is going on. Your whole body is gripped by, by the devastation of a, of a situation or a need for something to change in a situation. So this compassion that Jesus had was love. It was affection. He understood clearly the situation into which he had been sent and what his mission was. So my question for you is, you've been called to be salt and light. Do you see the world the way Jesus sees the world? How do you see the world? Do you see the world as a bunch of idiots? Ignorant? Can you believe that? It's just corrupt. Those are God-haters, sleazy, sinners. Oh, such a bother. They're so needy all the time. Can't do anything for themselves. They're helpless. Person's lazy. Lazy. Just a moocher. Just a time sucker. Is that how you look at the world? Be honest. And God has called us to be salt and light in a sin-cursed world. And unfortunately, when we walk into a situation, work, maybe into some kind of a family setting, hopefully not into church, and you have this attitude or this perspective on the people that you've been called to be salt and light to, and it's very negative. But remember, Jesus saw them as those who are living life in a sin-cursed world, devastated by sin. They're creating the image of God. They have, they have beauty because they've been creating the image of God. And these are people for whom Christ would die. And so he sees the world, and what does he see? He sees, his, he sees disease and sickness. He sees people who are helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw the world overwhelmed and enslaved by the curse of sin with no truth to set them free. So as Jesus saw the world, he clearly saw them as those walking in darkness. And yes, they're ignorant, right? Because ignorance is simply not having knowledge. They're blinded to the truth. They're dead in sin. They're enslaved to sin. They're lost. They're held captive by Satan to do his will. And they're without hope in the world. That's the perspective that you need to have. Instead of passing judgment on them, have compassion on them as Jesus had. Your perspective on the world around you affects your relationship to the world around you. Right, when you're gripped with compassion because of a person's condition, you want to help them. If you view the world the way I just showed you a few seconds ago, you don't want to be salt and light necessarily, do you? So the world needs you 
to be who you are. Right? You, you are salt and light. You've been commanded to be salt and light. And quite frankly, the world around you needs you to be salt and light. So as we want to be salt and light, we need to exemplify Jesus' holiness, his heart, his perspective. I think it's important to exemplify Jesus' hearing. Hearing is so important. I will be salt and light. I will have the right perception of the world around me through hearing. I will be salt and light through patient, active, and focused listening so that I can rightly perceive the unique needs of those around me. Right now, sometimes it's just clear what's going on around you, and you don't have to ask any questions. You know exactly what's going on. But sometimes you have to have insight into the world around you to be salt and light the way God has called you to be salt and light in the world. So so you need to listen well. Listening is very important. When we listen in a focused fashion, patiently and actively, then we get the right perception of the world. Perception is an ability to see, and they have the word hear here, to see, hear, become aware of something through the senses. Perception is a way of regarding or understanding or interpreting something, a mental impression, right? You, you hear something, and so you get this mental understanding of what's going on. It's also intuitive understanding, right? That's without the hearing. You just see it, and you kind of sense intuitively, this is the situation. So hearing is so important. A minute ago, I mentioned having the right perspective on a situation. When you see this, right, what comes to your mind? Good thoughts? Probably not. But as you see this, you have these thoughts that come to mind about the LGBTQ whatever plus situation. And it's in the fact that it's almost militant, right? Forcing its culture upon us. And we have negative views as Christians about the situation. But as you think about those who espouse such a worldview and a philosophy, I want you to think about these things that they might be going through their mind, right? This is, this is how they have arrived at this. I, I determine the truth. I'm a product of chance and evolution. I'm no different than an animal. I was born this way. Life is about personal happiness and fulfillment. I will live, die, and cease to exist. The Bible condemns me. Christians hate me. I'm confused about the truth. People who are supposed to love me and care for me abandoned me. Right. So some of these things you might already assume. Right? You're interacting with somebody who has this bumper sticker on their car and you've been called to be salt and light in the, in the presence of this person and you probably have an idea of where they're coming from because this is what they've been taught since they started school. And so as, as we consider those around us and, and how they may view us and, and the perspective they may, they may have on us, we need to have Christ's perspective about him, but we need to perceive them correctly. We need to understand them so that we can best be salt and light. So we need to listen to them. So I'm going to go through good listening so that we can best be the salt and light that God wants us to be, even in very difficult situations like I just described. So as we seek to listen, 
We need to be motivated by love. There needs to be loving motivation. Proverbs 21.13, whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Okay, so just be patient with me. I'm using the principles from some of these verses here. Okay, I understand the context may be a little bit different than what I'm trying to convey to you, but the principle is there, okay? Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor. Well, the person may not be poor. Well, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that you're called to listen to people to understand their situation, their station in life, and the difficulties they're going through. And if we refuse to listen and refuse to hear, then we're not listening. So listening with an aim towards being salt and light begins with loving motivation. It includes intimate concern. Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace. When you think of grace, what do you think about? You think about God's love, right? Grace is an element of God's love where God gives to undeserving sinners. The sinners deserve guilt and punishment, but God gives anyway. And so if your perspective on those around you are, you're a sinner and you deserve to be condemned, do you think you're going to be listening well? And then are you going to be responding well with the compassion that Christ has? So let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, look, so that you may know how to answer everyone. All right, so this listening prepares you for a right answer. Right? You, may be, you probably always think of this verse as, I have to speak with grace, and you do. But you can only be as gracious in your response in as much as you've already listened to the person to understand how you need to respond to them because you have the right perception of them. So loving motivation, intimate concern, and then we need to be slow to speak, right? Slow to speak. Very familiar, James talks about this. Would you be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger? How many of you struggle with this? You're interacting with somebody, and you're obviously at odds with them. I've been called to be salt and light, but this person's difficult. Their worldview condemns me. I want to condemn them. We're having a back and forth. And all you can think about is this person is talking is formulating your response, how I'm going to put you in your place. And the Scripture says, no, you need to listen to them first. There needs to be focus, active listening going on patient listening before you answer. Because you've probably also been in a position where you answered too soon. It was to your folly. You answered in a way that was foolish because you didn't listen to everything that was being said. You were quick to speak, quick to formulate your response. So if we're going to be salt and light, we need to be lovingly motivated in our listening. We need to have concern that's intimate, and we need to be slow to speak, but we also need to choose the right timing, right? So much of what we say is about timing. I mean, most of us are at a point in, in discussions with people, and we want to respond right away. And then we regret it because we respond right away. Timing is so important. Proverbs fifteen twenty three: a person finds joy in giving an apt reply, how good is a timely word? Using our speech correctly begins by listening well. Being salt and light 
is determined by that. Then we move on to encouraging, right? Our words need to be encouraging. Again, this is where I say I'm using principles. The author of Hebrews is clearly writing to the body of Christ and has people interact with one another in the body of Christ. But our speech, as it's seasoned with grace, needs to build people up. At no point should your speech tear a person down. Even even with your, your enemy. Because... Your enemy's been created in the image of God. They're one for whom Christ has died. They're in darkness, right? They're blinded. They're living life in a sin-cursed world. So you're going to say words that are going to destroy that person? I mean, it's okay to, to take care of an argument, right? If there is untruth that's being spoken, you give truth to that. And you can do that without tearing the person down. And so the author of Hebrews says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another to love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. So in the body of Christ, as we're salt and light, there needs to be encouragement. There needs to be encouragement in the world around us as well. So loving, motivation, intimate concern, slow to speak, timing, encouraging, and need-focused Need-focused hearing. Ephesians 4.29 Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for what? Building others up according to their needs. According to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Right. So as we listen actively, patiently, with focus, okay, as we listen to the person, right? As we dis- if we're having a discussion with somebody who espouses this worldview, all we want to do is, is destroy them. So it's okay to speak against a movement. It's okay to speak against lies, but you're not destroying a person. So if you see a person that, that has this worldview, you want the person to be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the gospel of Jesus Christ can do that. But you're not being salt and light to that person by destroying them. So you need to listen to the person with Jesus' perspective so that you can perceive their greatest need, which is what? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You listen to the person, not formulating your response and how you can destroy the LGBTQ movement. How you can tell them how simple they are because they have that behavior. That is not being salt. That's not being light. I will be salt and light through patient, active, and focused listening so that I can rightly perceive the unique needs of those around me. Moving on, we have to have Jesus' head as well. We want his holiness, his heart, his hearing. We want Jesus' head. We want to be able to plan how we're going to be salt and light. I will be salt and light by prayerfully planning ahead to meet the unique needs of of others. As Jesus ministered, he didn't just haphazardly wander around Palestine, uh, you know, oh, maybe I'll meet somebody here, maybe I'll meet somebody there. No, he had a plan. He traveled from city to city. It says in verse 35 there, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. He was light and he was salt. What was he teaching? He had a plan. My plan is, is I'm going to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And I'm going to heal people to validate the truth of the message that I'm speaking to them. The passage continues again. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, 
like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest field. His plan was to send his followers out to be salt and light in the world. So as you seek to be salt and light, you have to plan. Right? You want to have the right perspective. You want to perceive people around you correctly, but you need to have a plan. You can't be haphazard about your Christian life, about your Christian walk, about your Christian mission to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Right? Proverbs is full of discussion about plans. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. If you plan diligently, profit will come from it. If you plan to be salt and light, you will be salt and light. If you don't plan to be salt and light, you might be, but then again, you might not be salt and light. Again, so I understand you are salt and light. You, that's who you are. But you have to live that out. That's the point. So you need to use your head and plan ahead. You need to use your head and plan prayerfully. As we seek to be salt and light, commit to the Lord whatever you plan to do, and he will establish your plans. There needs to be prayer involved. God, I want to be salt and light for your glory. God, help me to do that. Give me a heart like Jesus. Help me to listen to the world around me so I understand them, so that I can best be salt and light that glorifies you. Help me devise a plan to do that. I commit this plan to you, God. This needs to be a priority, people. But as we plan prayerfully, we have to submit to the will of the Lord. Right? We make plans. Right? I'm going to talk about this in a second. We make plans, but the Lord establishes our steps. Right. How many of you have worked hard at a plan, like this is going to happen the next day, and maybe one of ten things that you plan to have happen, happen? Have you been there before? If you prayed over it and committed it to the Lord, then guess what? Those nine things that weren't supposed to happen to happen, they were the Lord's plan, right? Okay? That's just the way it is. So as you seek to be salt and light, use your head. Plan ahead prayerfully, submit to the will of the Lord, and P.S., get advice from other friends in the body of Christ, other brothers and sisters, right? Hey, you know what? I want to be salt and light. I really want to do this, right? Pastor Jay's been hammering on this. He's been passionate about it. He wants you to be salt and light because Jesus says, you are salt. You are light. He's trying to lead you into this. So Pastor Jay's talking about this. How can I do this? And what do you do? How are you salt and light in the world? Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed, right? You're not in it alone. You don't have to be in it alone. You can get counsel from other people. Come talk to me. I'm happy to talk to you about it. So we want Jesus' holiness, Jesus' heart, Jesus' hearing, Jesus' head, and we want Jesus' hands, right? So, so you understand that I have to live out the commandments of Jesus if I really want to be salt and light in the world. I have to have Jesus' heart. I need to see the world as Jesus sees the world. I need to perceive the world rightly around me so that I I am accurately being the salt and light that I need to be, but I need to use my head as well. I need to plan how I'm going to do that. And then you have to use your hands. You have to make it happen. 
So we have to have Jesus' hands. I will be salt and light as I move beyond intentions to practicing the teachings of Jesus in both word and deed. We have to put our faith into practice. And again, well, how do I do that? How is this? How, how, how can I be salt and light in this world that I've been called to? Well, first of all, remember, you are salt and light. That needs to be at the forefront of your mind. Right? You know, if, if, you're, if you're a mother, you have kids in the house, you have to remember that you're a mother. I mean, it's every day, mom, 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 mom. Right? But as Christians, I think we forget this sometimes. We get pretty focused on our own spirituality, you know, doing our own thing. And we forget, hey, we're supposed to have an effect on the world around us. So remember, I don't want to make this too complicated. I don't want to overwhelm you. Just live out the teachings of Jesus Christ and you will be the salt and light that God's called you to be. Just live out the teachings of Jesus Christ. Just obey what Jesus has called us to do. Just obey. And the contrast that your life presents to the world will draw the hatred of the world to you. But will also season it. It'll make it a better place. It'll be truth that shines light into the darkness. Just remember, you are salt and light. You are what you are when you obey the teachings of Jesus. Right? You are salt and light when you obey the teachings of Jesus. The second thing I want you to do is you put hands to your plans here is pray over your spheres of influence, right? Uh, this is a concentric circles of influence type thing. And, and the idea is that, you know, you have, it starts with a smaller sphere of influence and it moves out to bigger, right? So you start with yourself, you go to your family, your church, your work, your community. So you don't want to think of this as subsets of one another necessarily. It's it's moving out from yourself into the world. And, and so as salt and light, the greatest effect you're going to have is on those closest to you. It's just the way it is. Okay. Now, what's interesting now, uh, I couldn't find it anywhere else, but I added social media. Because with social media, you, you can influence, you can be salt and light way out into the world without even leaving your house. right? But you can also spread darkness, too. But you need to pray over your spheres of influence. So being salt and light is you going into the world that God has given you and living out the teachings of Jesus Christ. But you have to plan ahead. God, I want to be salt and light today. Okay, I'm going to go to work and I'm going to run into this person and that person. I need a lot of help with this person right there. Maybe that person will be salt and light to me and I can get some. But you know the people in your different spheres of influence. Work. Family members that you have, church, don't forget that, your community, your nation. I think a lot of times when Christians think about being salt and light, it's going, we have to plan this activity. Right? We're going to have a, a cleanup day in Hamtramck, and we're going to pick up trash around Hamtramck, and people will see us picking up trash, and they'll go, oh, look, there's salt and light. They're picking up garbage around Hamtramck. They may or may not say that. They may say, thank you for picking up trash, as they throw a, bu- a bubblegum wrapper out. Right? And it's not wrong to pick up trash. But that's, I'm not saying that you have to do an activity to be salt and light. I'm saying live your life as a follower of Jesus Christ, obeying his commands, and pray over the people that you're going to run into so that you can best be salt and light. Oh God, this person that I see every, time when I, every day when I walk down the street, they're not very nice to me, but I see them on a regular basis. 
Oh, I need to have the heart of Christ towards that person. I have no idea what life is like for them in a sin-cursed world. They're creating the image of God. They may be rude, but they're creating the image of God. And Christ died for them. Help me to strike up a conversation with that person and listen to them and ask them questions that will help me understand who they are in their life. And then give me a plan so that I can, I can be salt and light in that person's life. Is that rocket science? Am, am I, is, is this too difficult? You need to pray over the spheres of influence that God has given you. There has to be intentionality there. And then you need to pray over the unique person God has created you to be in the circumstances he has placed you in. I've kind of of already talked about this. But each one of us are unique in who we are as a person, right? The teachings of Jesus are the same. We should be obeying the teachings of Jesus, right? But the the way that Mike is salt and light in the world may look a little bit different than the way that Colton is salt and light in the world, Different gifts, different abilities, different spheres of influence, different responsibilities in life. Mike doesn't have a little kid that he's taking around all the time. It's going to, you know, it's a huge, beautiful responsibility, but Colton, he's limited in some of the things that he that Mike can do much more than Colton can do. He's got different circumstances. Lars t- chasing two little girls around, trying to take care of them. Different spheres of influence, different responsibilities. She has different giftedness than these two guys. And the way the salt and light looks, it may be different. But you need to pray over that. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? How has your life journey to this point prepared you best to be salt and light in the world? What do you like to do? What do you like to do? They would enable you to engage the world around you, to be salt and light in different areas where you otherwise wouldn't be able to be salt and light. So you need to pray over the unique person God has created you to be and the circumstances that he has placed you in. And then I'm going to get very specific right now as we close up. You need to get names and dates and calendar going, right? God, as I I live out the teachings of Christ, as I'm salt and light in the world around me every day in different spheres of influence, you know what, there's certain areas in my life that I want to... I want to be better at being salt and light. I want to bring salt and light into different people's lives that I haven't had a chance to do that recently. You need to to plan this out. You need to get strategic about it. And then talk about it with other people and get people praying for you. And then you need to go for it. Just do it. Just do it. Get busy. So you are salt and light. You are salt and light. Be salt and light. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me. That's my prayer for all the people who are here this morning, is that we would be salt and light. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Gracious Father, I thank you for um, calling us into Christ through faith in him and all that that means, Lord, that um, we're a new creation in Christ. You make us salt and light. And, Lord, we want to live that out. We want to live out the teachings of Christ in a sin-cursed world. We want to have the same heart as Jesus. We want to hear the same way Jesus hears. Uh, Father, we want to have the same head as Jesus. We want to plan well. We want to have hands like Jesus. And we want to get busy serving, Lord. I pray that you would work in us as a congregation.
Lord, help us to be what we are. Help us to be salt and light for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you would stand, we're going to sing together.